Welcome to Tice Talks, where we talk all things faith and family. Today's discussion is, why are they offended? It's amazing. People get uh, offended because somebody's offended with them. People, uh, You were offended at me today, thinking I didn't bring you a dual whip. That's exactly right. She walked into my office. This happens so often, though. People walk into my office eating or drinking something, and I just simply ask, why? Why didn't you bring me something? And I had four in my hand, and I said... I thought they were for somebody else. I did. Of course I did, because I'm your favorite. (laughs) So Why are the others offended? Because I'm the favorite. (laughs) It's easy to offend somebody and not even know that you've offended them, and then or, or somebody's upset with you and you don't know why they're upset with you. Uh, Several years ago, I was encouraged to examine myself by asking several questions. When somebody gets offended at me, why do they get offended at me? Why, Why somebody with my great personality, my love and my care and my compassion and my my submissive spirit and humility and my humility. How in the world could somebody be offended with me? Right, because you can look and be like, what's wrong with them? Why are they offended? I didn't do anything. So we have a list of nine questions today that we that we would encourage you to ask yourself. Uh, these are not original with me. When somebody's offended with you, why? The Bible tells us this. Jesus said, if you come to the altar and you are going to offer something to the Lord, and uh, all of a sudden, the Spirit of God reminds you that somebody's offended with you. Leave your gift at the altar and go back and reconcile with your brother. Then come and give your gift to the altar. In fact, that whole passage indicates that the reason you should do that is because you don't want your brother to be in a position where he is unforgiving because if he's in a position where he's unforgiving towards you, that puts him in a position where God is going to turn him over to tormentors. So you should be more concerned about him. If he's offended with you, you should be concerned for his well-being, and you should go to him and make things right. So Wow, because it's all about unity and representing Christ to the lost and dying world. That's That's, exactly right. That's So. so good. So nine questions. What's the first question I need to ask? Let's say somebody at church isn't looking at me in the eye when I pass by and I think, what did I do? And they, they didn't say hi back. What, what, what's wrong with them? What question should I ask myself? First question. Have I failed to express appreciation to that person or proper recognition for the efforts that he has expended for me or for the church? Oh, that's really good because a lot of times things do just happen and you think, Somebody just has, and it's not, it's not right on their part. It's not right on their part to be saying, oh, well, they never appreciate anything about me. I never get a recognition. So-and-so gets the recognition, but that's not what we're dealing with. We don't deal with other people's sin. We have to deal with our own and what we can do to magnify Christ's name. And the, and the, the truth is some people that never get offended because that's not their love language. I love, um, a Gary Smalley, not Gary Smalley. No, there's the other one. 
Anyway, the, the five, five love, love languages. languages. It's not Gary Smalley. It's I'll another look it Gary. Up. But uh, the um, Chapman. Terry, yeah. Without looking it up. There it is. Gary Didn't Chapman. Did we meet him one time? Uh, no. But oh, we, no. We Josh did. had him on Idea um, yes. Idea Network. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we had a live. Those of you, here's a little plug for Idea Network. We had a, we had a live interview with him, and everybody that was part of the network got to be there, ask him questions on a Zoom call. It was really Which cool. Some people... Their love language is words, words of, of affirmation, affirmation. Mm-hmm. and if and if you just don't affirm, then you've offended. Right, and so it's important. Second question is this: Have I failed to provide adequate concern or assistance to that person when they came to me with a personal problem? People come to us, and we just sort of blow them off. And and then we and wonder, it's a big deal to them. You are like, yeah, I don't care. I, yeah, so so take care of it. Yeah, it's like when a, a little kid comes to you and they say, "Mommy, my toy is broke," and you think that's a fifty cent toy. What's the big deal? Well, it's a big deal to them because they don't have fifty cents, hmm. and and they, and they don't. It 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 was their favorite little thing. Um, we need to be aware and not minimize. That's right. What. Uh, people's feelings are and and things that are important to others. If somebody comes to you to talk to you about something, it's because it is a concern to mm. them. Uh, we can we do that with people's preferences. We say, "Oh, that's just your preference." Well, we can say that very nonchalantly, but but it is a preference that's in their life for some reason, yeah. and we need to understand that and and not just people. push it off. That's exactly right. So number three, three. Have I failed to provide an example of Christ-like living to that person in my own actions or in my family relationships so that uh, I'm talking a good talk, but I'm not walking a good walk? Hypocrisy offends people. Uh, I tell parents all the time that your kids will put up with a whole lot from you, a whole lot of failure in your life. If they don't see you being a hypocrite. hypocrite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can remember you guys whenever I would say, oh, well, no, we're not going to do that. You'd say, come on, dad, get real. You do that all the time. <laughs> and you would make me stay real. And I think, you know, it's important that I be a genuine person. And it's so important. If somebody feels like you, like you're not living what you say you believe, and they see hypocrisy in, in you, and then when they talk to you about it, you excuse it away. Hmm. That makes people push you away. Right. And it causes, we, we see that in the political arena all the time. Oh, yeah. We, people standing up and saying, uh, well, you shouldn't do this, or you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't uh, hide government papers in your house, and then the other the other people hiding government papers in their <laughs> A recent mm. event that took place. Mm. So, yeah, hypocrisy, yeah, hypocrisy just kills. It really does what you said about with children because it is. So many things are forgiving. But if you're telling your kids to do one thing and you talk about doing one thing and then you do the complete opposite, it's like who are they then supposed to believe? Like my uncle Lee used to tell me not to smoke. As he, he was puffed, puffed away. <laughs> so. Oh, well. Have I forced my ideas or my programs on that individual? Hmm. This is the way I do it, and this is the way you should do it. 
and that's offensive. Right. Uh, I have um, I tell I tell parents all the time. Don't get offended when your grown children don't take your advice or they yawn in your face when when you <laughs> when you say this is something that's important it's emphatic and they're yawning in your face why because it's not that they, they it's just number one there's a there's a familiarity with your children and they feel comfortable enough to say look I just don't I don't yeah. I'm not going to do that. This isn't what, yeah. Yes. This is that's a great great idea, but I'm going to go a different direction. Yes, yes. Yeah. So you can't you can't allow you can't allow that to happen and you can't try and force people. Now there are certain things, of course, doctrine and and life and and morality and those kind of things. But when when you try to force somebody into your particular mold, they're going to they're right. going to like if you have if you have a, a son and daughter-in-law and they decide they're going to let their kids have dessert every night that's not it's not your you really shouldn't do that whatever it is there are things that i say that because i don't know anybody that really wants to give their child dessert every night no i know i know but, grandparents who want to give yes, their, right. their kids but they, but you enforcing and trying to push your way upon them just doesn't work. It doesn't work. In fact, it makes you want to go the extreme, the opposite direction. Yeah, you I think, remember. Oh, I remember you want me to my do mother this? moved into our house, and we were having dinner one night, and I didn't eat everything on my plate. And after it was finished, <laughs> I got. So I I went to get some tapioca pudding. And my mother, she said I'm in my 40s, and my mother said, you are not going to eat that tapioca. No, she didn't. Until you finish your meal. I said, Mom, I'm an adult. I wish I remembered and, this. And I, and I ate awesome. the tapioca. I ate the tapioca. I shouldn't have. But You said, just, I'm also not eating my broccoli, <laughs> Mom. <laughs> oh, man, that's so funny. So... But that's it. And they're not going to get, but you can't force your positioning on issues, things onto somebody else. And I think Christians get in trouble in our culture as a whole by trying to push our Christian culture Hmm. on unsafe uh, unsafe people. people. You cannot do that. Jesus does, didn't expect unsaved people to act like they were saved. So, um, we ought not act like the world, but we should certainly not expect them to act like believers. Right. So uh, have I forced my ideas or my programs on him? Number five, have I rejected or discounted the ideas, counsels, or reproof which he or she has given to me? So somebody comes to me and says, um, as a pastor, pastor, listen, I've got this great idea and I think that you ought to do this, and you, we ought to do this, and we ought to do this. Uh, now the now the shoe's on the opposite foot. Hmm. I'm not forcing my idea on them. They're putting giving me an idea. Now, how am I supposed to respond to that? What if I I don't like the idea at all? How am I supposed to respond uh, if I think it's it's a bad idea? I and just, that happens a lot as a pastor because everybody has a you know the church is everybody's. And right. so they look and they're like, hey, we should be doing it this way. 
we should be doing it this way. And everybody has great ideas, but you can't do everybody's idea. Sure. And, and some, some, some of the ideas are really bad yeah. ideas. Sometimes people come up with a right. with an idea they think is gonna is wonderful. And what are you gonna do with that? Right. You you can't you can't do it. I, I I'm thinking right now in my mind of uh and I'm not gonna use it the illustration because if I did, might somebody listen might to listen to it and hear and remember this. Was it Grace? <laughs> Grace, you gave an idea. No, whatever. Grace's ideas are all great. <laughs> but building programs, people will come and say, we should do this and do this and do this. And you think, man, if we did that, it would cause us major, major problems mm-hmm. later on down the road. That's because of a difference in vision of mm-hmm. what is going to happen. There might be a vision to build a... A, a professional, wonderful on-site building, and somebody else says, well, we can piecemeal it together. No, mm-hmm. no, that's not the idea. Yeah. Because if you piecemeal together, it's going to look piecemeal together right. 15 years from now. Yeah. You can't do that. So so when you do that and somebody comes, what is the proper response? doesn't mean you have to do what they say, but there is a proper response, yes. and there is a, a right reaction to that in honoring their their idea. Yes. So you can say, you can say, you know what, there's a lot of, uh, I appreciate that input. I, as a pastor, have developed a leadership team so that uh, I don't reject people's ideas. That's nice. I go, I go to, I go, I say, you know what, I appreciate that. Let me bring that up at a leadership meeting and see what, uh, what people think about it. And if you bring you it up, team. yeah, if you bring it up, then the person's not offended with you. There's some really good thoughts right there about the team players as well. I know that um, Matt has been really good on teaching us as a team that when somebody comes in with a complaint, well, why isn't this being done this way? That we always answer, well, we didn't decide for it to go that way instead of, Oh yeah, that was Pastor Shore's idea. Wasn't that really stupid? Yeah, yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why Pastor Matt did that. That's a really dumb idea. Or yeah, it is a good idea, but yeah, but saying, well, we we decided it was going to be this way, and that goes right into a couple when you say to your kids, right? Well, we decided that we're not going to watch this. Mom might think it's totally fine. I don't care, and I think yeah, let them go watch it. And dad might think, why on earth are we letting the kids watch it? So instead of saying, oh, your dad said we're not going to do that, it's, well, we, we decided. decided. So that's really good. I think that can go into any yeah. any area of life. That's true. Next question is this, and this is, uh, this is a major offensive thing. Have I betrayed his confidence by telling others what he shared with me in private? Mm. Wow. That is so, as a dad, your children will come to you. As a mom, your children, your, one of your kids will come to you and say something to you. They don't want you repeating it. And it's so important that we always keep confidences. I think it's important to for someone like me, I'm a sharer, right? You know, I'm not a gossip, but I like to share stories. I like to share <clears throat> when just, I you teach. Just like to talk. Yeah, I like to talk about, oh, this was a funny event. And I've had to learn, like, with my own kids, that they may not want that story shared. They mm-hmm. may not, even though I'm like, oh, it's no big deal. It's great. I wouldn't care if it was told about me. 
But other people may be more private. It might not even be like a private conversation of a of, you know, confident that I told you something in confidence. It's just they are more private people and they yes. don't want you talking about them and their mistake or the funny thing that happened. And that's something I've had to learn because I need to ask permission before I go and speak to 500 ladies and tell the story about my seven-year-old who really cares. Yes. <laughs> so. and, and that's the, that, that is so important. There are people in our family who've said to me, I don't want you to share that. I don't want to, that, that, I don't like it when you tell that story. Mm-hmm. And, and so that story doesn't get told anymore. So um, you keep it private. It's so funny. It's, though, this story. <laughs> There's some good ones. Yes, yeah. You guys just wait till we get to heaven and yeah. no one cares. <laughs> We're going to be telling stories for infinity. I have not, I, I, this quote was attributed to C.H. Uh, Spurgeon. I don't, I'm not sure that it, it's real. Somebody told me that they doubted it, but, uh, but uh, I was told that C.H. Spurgeon, someone came to him criticizing him for, for, saying, for the things he said in the pulpit. He said, man, he said, I, I, uh, you should be thankful for the things I think about saying and I don't say. <laughs> Something to that effect. So um, anyway, do I, have I betrayed a confidence? I need to make sure I don't do that. And then number seven. Do my words, appearance, actions, or attitude reflect a contempt for the wisdom of age or the value of experience? Oftentimes, younger men, even I I am 67, but there are seniors to me that are in their 80s that still think of me as a young man. Mm -hmm. And when you're talking to somebody who is older to you and you just blow them off, Mm -hmm. that can be a huge, major offense. Years ago, and such foolishness on the part of the younger person. Yeah. When I when I was just starting, I was twenty two years old when we started Liberty Baptist Church, and and I deliberately found a man in his eighties. I knew another man in his seventies who I went to whenever I was making a business decision. One of them was a uh, unsaved, crouchy old man. In fact, he was a guy that we were renting our a warehouse building from, but he was a very well respected businessman in town hmm. and very successful in his business, probably a multimillionaire. So be, he liked me. Uh, and uh, so I, whenever I was making a business decision about something, buying something or moving something or getting, I would go to him and I would say, what do you think I should do? One day I sat in his office and I said to him, uh, his name was Pat Gassaway. He said, Pat, I'm thinking about doing this thing in order to raise some money for our church. And I said, what do you think about this, uh, doing this? And I gave him the, uh, the scenario. He looked at me and said, well, Dave, I'll tell you what I'd do. He said, if I was you, this is, and he stopped. He said, oh, no, you can't do that. That's unethical. <laughs> <laughs> Older men love it when younger men show respect to them. Mm. And uh, you can get a lot of wisdom from older man, if you'll listen to him. And you, are you going to get some dumb stuff? Yeah, because old men do dumb things and have done dumb things and justified those dumb things. But there's a lot of great wisdom that comes with age. And finding interest, showing you have interest yes. in them. Yep. I, was, I just, uh, Trey, uh, we took him to, Trey Collette, our oldest is 14. I'm telling this for our listeners. I know you know your grandson's 14. <laughs> but he loves collecting coins. 
and he has a really cool coin collection. And anytime we've gone to old coin shops, it, there's always just an old man that owns the coin shop. And the old man, when they see Trey, it's like their whole, like they're revitalized. And they come in and tell Trey all these different, like Trey could stay for the whole day and hear story after story after story. And he's truly interested. So he's sitting and listening and he learns so much. And also they then dump coins on the kid. <laughs> but I, I just think that's amazing. a good illustration uh, of gaining. You gain pastor, wisdom. If you're a pastor listening to this or a pastor's wife, hear what the hear the wisdom of that. You listen to old men and they'll dump coins they on they, you. But then that's, and that's it. The truth. They do. They just go, oh, here, it's okay. Well, I don't have money to buy that. That's okay. Here, I want this. You hold on to this one. And it's just so neat to see him gleaning from older men. But I think it's so, it, but it's because he shows interest. It's me not dragging him to the coin shop. Yep. So when we show interest into the older, wiser, gray head, that's that we get that wisdom just poured into us. Yeah. So our last one, or well, is this two more. two more? Have I expressed my impatience or reaction to him, which he would see as a lack of love? Hmm. If I look, I don't have time for this right now. That's that can be interpreted as a lack of love. You don't care about me. And you're a Christian, you're supposed to care about me, and you don't. This is so important in the area of witnessing, if we're going to be the witnesses God wants us to be. So, and then lastly, have I neglected important areas of his spiritual feeding? Um, one old man said to me one day, I said, why don't you come on Sunday night? Or why don't you come on Wednesday night? You need to come more often than just Sunday morning. He looked at me and said, Dave, he said, I've been in church for the last 68 years. He said, you ain't nothing you're going to preach on that is going to change me or help me. He said, I know everything you're going to say before you say it. And I said, yeah, but I, you need to understand. That's true. You don't need anything uh, that I, I have to say. But, but I said, a lot of people need you. Hmm. You need to understand how important you are and how important uh, people, uh, how important it is for people to know you and gain insight yeah. and wisdom from you. Well, he didn't take that. He, he said, ah, nobody needs to know me. <laughs> it was probably true. He was a really nice guy to me and to my family because we loved him. But he could be a grumpy old guy. So, uh, But have I neglected areas of spiritual feeding? We all need spiritual feeding, and we need to— We need we it need from to, each other. Yeah, and we need, to be, we need to be cognizant of the fact that if somebody's offended us— that it might be that we're not, they don't see us meeting their need. Hmm. And this is particularly written for pastors. But but that goes into like the Bible talks about the reason we go to church is to exhort one another. Yeah, like, have true. I gone on, when I go to church? Am I, am I, and that's a spiritual feeding when like I go and I see somebody, like how you're saying to that older man, have I encouraged other people to walk with the Lord? I mean, so it's, and the same then it can go into your family. Have I been the spiritual encouragement that I need to be for my kids and fed them? People will say, well, I'm not going to that church anymore because I don't get fed. Oh, well, maybe you need to be feeding somebody yeah. else. Or I don't, I don't have any friends there. Well, maybe you need to be friendly. Yeah. 
I mean, the Bible says if a man will have friends, he must show himself friendly. Uh, maybe, maybe you've got something that you need to yeah. look at. I like these questions because it helps me to examine myself hmm. rather than criticize somebody else. Yeah. And I find if I'm busy examining my own areas of weakness, that I'm not going to find myself running down other people yeah. and bad-mouthing other people. We all have so much that we need to work on in our own lives. That's not to say I can't be a help. I can't see faults in other people, but I need to be so focused on becoming what God wants me to be that I'm that, and, and, and changing myself because the more I change, the more I become like Christ, the greater help I'm going to be to everybody. Oh, wow, and it builds true humility inside of your life. Wow. Thank you, Dad. This was really enjoyable. I learned a lot while we talked through these nine steps. Yeah. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you for joining us for Tice Talks. Remember, this is Tice Talks. And hopefully it's more than a conversation. <laughs>